So I pray that your spirit will be with us tonight. Guide us as we open up your word. Convict us. Um, show us and surprise us in what you may have for us to learn tonight. More about who you are and how we are to live to become more like Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, I want to start, I want to open up by um, reading, so Jeff, um, Jeff gave, that's you, yeah, (laughs) Um, gave all the people on the staff, um, just in the last week or so, this book, Um, it's called The Prayer Book 2021 for this year, Sacred Space, and I've I've never had it before, Um, and it's really... I don't know, Jeff probably could describe more than I am, but what it really is, is daily scripture reading. Yes. I mean, it's all based around daily scripture readings, but with it, they have sort of different type of questions I usually will see in a devotional, um, but they'll ask questions at the end of each scripture reading, and they're around the subjects of the presence of God, freedom, which is an interesting one. I thought that was interesting because we're actually talking a lot about freedom right now in Christ. Um, consciousness, the word consciousness, uh, the word in the Bible, conversation and conclusion. Who's um, the author? Jes- the Jesuits. Irish Jesuits. Yeah, Irish, oh. Irish Jesuits. Yeah, wow. so, um, so anyway, it's sort of... Kind of compilation or... Yeah, it's like yeah. a lectionary of scripture. But yeah. with, so, it's a common practice. <clears throat> Tons of people are reading through this same lectionary every year of scripture. Uh, but they would see, with each stick, you'd like some reflective thoughts and questions. It's cool. There. Yeah, so I thought, so anyway, I opened it today and read today's, and I thought, oh, huh. sort of connects with tonight. <laughs> okay, so I thought I would read it. Um, we, you know, we're, we're focusing a lot on what Paul's talking about, which he obviously, though, spent a whole lot of time with Jesus, <laughs> all right? Um, that we all wish we you know, had that time that he, that he had with Jesus, but um, directly um, as the resurrected Jesus. But anyway, this is from Mark. So today's reading is from Mark 7, 1 through 13. Um, and again, I think it dovetails nicely into what we're going to be talking about tonight. So Mark 7, 1 through 13 says, Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him, being Jesus, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands. That is, without washing them. Mm. They even had COVID back then. (laughs) (laughs) They had worse things. Yeah, they did. Um, I'm thinking, well, that just directly relates to today. Um, then it says in parentheses, for the, for the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands. Thus asserting the truth. Yeah, exactly. I, I now have it on my Apple Watch. You know, it'll tell me how long to wash my hands. Okay. So, for the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders, and they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus, Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? He said to them, 
Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites, as it was written. Jesus is so, you know, people think he's like the nice, calm, you know, guy. <laughs> he gets right down to, um, right down to it. Well, so you hypocrites, he quotes Isaiah, this, pe- this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain they do not worship me, reaching human precepts as doctrines. Teaching, sorry, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition, Jesus said. And then he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must surely die. But you say that if anyone tells father or mother, whatever support you might have for me is Corbin, that is, an offering to God, then you no longer permit doing anything for a father or mother, thus making void the word of God through your tradition that you have handed on. And you do many things like that. Again, like they're, the very things they're doing are avoiding the commandments of God. <clears throat> and then these are the two questions um, for the lecture, for the lecture, for the questions, the reflection questions. One was, Lord, and I'm doing it right now, Lord, don't let me laugh at the Pharisees and their silly customs. Let me look at myself. Do I make my choices the way the adversaries want me to? Do I let the spin doctors decide what I think? I could say, do I let Facebook and all the news media and everything decide what I think? Am I predictable, caught in a rut, dull of soil? The second one is, the kingdom of God is always unexpected. It catches me by surprise and demands responses from me. It jolts me out of my mediocrity. Its values are countercultural. There, the poor come first, despised people are important, wealth is for sharing, hatred is out, forgiveness is in, love is all that matters in the end. Wow. So, I think you probably got ready to pick up. I thought, wow, that just dovetails very nicely into what we're looking at tonight. Um, so, why don't you open up your little Galatians book, everyone. Yep, yep, everyone. everyone have a pencil? Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> Been, there for, Been there for a week. <laughs> All right, so for those of you who were not um, here last week, this is what I want you to do. You're going to turn to the last pages of the book, and there's two blank pages at the end. Okay. And what you're going to do is you're going to take the first blank page, you're going to take it and you're going to fold it in half like this, all right, and you're going to crease it along the edge. And just keep it there. Basically, you're creating two columns. And what we were looking at last week is that we are in this section of Galatians. So with that crease, if you want to, um, you can look at Galatians 5. And what we're looking at is we're looking at the section of Galatians 5, 1 through really specifically 12 tonight is what we're going to focus on. And you notice that 
it says in 5.1, it says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Okay, and we talked, what did we talk about last night? We, uh, last week, what did we talk about? What were the two, I actually asked the question, what was the one, if you had one letter to describe what the Christian life is all about, what letter would that be? I. I. The letter I. Okay. Which would not be what you would tell me was like. I. I wrong. <laughs> um, and the, yeah, and just to catch you up, the reason why we said I, and what we started out last week with, was because um, what Paul does, what Jesus does, what you see throughout Scripture, is you see two eyes. They continually and consistently happen. We have we talked about how the Christian life is really always maintaining a balance between those two eyes. The first eye is the indicative. It, it's the terms of Greek verbs, an indicative and an imperative. All right. So, anybody remember what an indicative means? Statement of fact. Excellent, Bruce. A statement of fact. It's a statement of the way things are right now. All right. An imperative is a a command. All right. Now, what you see Paul doing, and again Jesus. I mean, we just even saw it in what we just were reading. Is you see where the imperative and the indicative go together. If you try to, well, that's what the Pharisees were doing. (laughs) If, If you try to follow the commandments of God without really knowing what God has said and what God said is true, you end up creating your own commandments, which is like what the Pharisees did. Okay? So if you don't really know who you are in Christ, if you don't really know who God is, you don't really know what God has done, you don't know the facts of what God has done and who you are, you're going to not, you're going to be trying to do the imperatives and commands of God on your own. Trying to, you know, do them, all right? Same thing, obviously, if you just focus on, oh, this is who God is, this is who I am in Jesus, but you don't follow him, you know, then obviously you're not following you're not following Christ. And really, those two form sort of a, a, a way of, in which you will see throughout Scripture, and particularly Paul, talk. And so, one of the things we're looking at, so, for example, you just take a look at Galatians 5.1. In Galatians 5.1 it says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. So, that is what? And what? Is that imperative or indicative? Indicative. Okay? It's a fact. That in Christ, if you are a believer, he has set us free. Then it says, Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Okay? Command. So you see those two go together? Okay? And so we're going to see, as we, we were talking about, that if we looked at Galatians, and again, this is a generalization, Galatians 1 through 4 is focused on more of the, what? Indicative or imperatives? The indicatives, okay? Who we are in Christ, okay, what the law is, what the law is not. Um, I mean, those are all things we're seeing in Galatians 1 through 4. In Galatians 5 and 6, we're going to see Paul starting to switch 
and he's going to now more talk about uh, the, the, the imperatives about, okay, now this is who you are in Christ, and he's going to keep referring back to that. But because of this is who you are, these are now how you are to live in Christ. So in a lot of ways, you can look at discipleship as really, and growing in Christ and becoming like Christ, as always having to maintain the balance of those two. Always remembering who you are, always then out of that, responding with the commands. Okay? Alright? So, we see him do that here. He says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Now, one of the things, so what we're going to do, and what we started to do last week, is we, and this might have been confusing, I'm going to try to clarify it again, is we're going to, we're going to look at 5.2 through 5.12. And what Paul's going to do in 5.2 through 5.12 is before he's going to start talking a lot about the commandments of God, about how we are to live the Christian life, he is going to really lay out for us what is at stake. That's the subject we're looking at tonight. What's at stake when we don't live as God has made us? What we don't live as who we are now in Christ because of what Christ has done. What happens when we live in that? What happens when we don't? Don't. And Paul paints the picture very starkly. If you remember, one of the big themes we've had through Galatians is this idea of a light switch. All right, that you are either following God, you're either following you're the conduct of the gospel. Or you're not. Okay? You're either distorting the gospel or you're living in the truth of the gospel. Paul lays things out very un or off. Very black and white. Okay? As far as he presents them. We're going to see that as, as he goes on. Um, so as we, as we look at this, we want to sort of ask ourselves as we move the transition from Galatians 4 to Galatians 5 and 6. I think we can easily forget what is at stake in our Christian lives. What is at stake if we don't follow Jesus? Go back into slavery. Right. Okay. Which is exactly what he's saying here. Yeah. He's saying you're you're free. Okay. Um, you are you're free in Christ. So stand firm. And do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. And I love the stand firm. So it's like, when I say stand, I'm standing. Alright? There's not, uh, I don't half stand. (laughs) I'm either standing or or I'm sitting. Okay? Um, Another way of looking at that is like this. I'm either, well, I I I can do this. I'm either un- Okay, the light is on, or the light is off. Okay. Yep. All right. It's not. There's not like an in between with it. And one of the things we talked about, um, if you guys, for those of you who are at the men's conference, uh, men's conference, the men's retreat that we did. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Both that a year, a year and a half ago. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. Long time ago. 
I was presenting sort of a different way of looking at discipleship about how we grow in Christ. So the mission of our values of our church we're forming are to become like Christ for others. Is that right? For the sake of others. For the sake of others. Okay. Okay. So when you think of how we grow in the Christian life, traditionally we think that we grow... And what I was presenting there, we traditionally think we grow where we start out as sinners. It's called zero-sum. It's a technical term. We start out as sinners, and you can think of a graph, and we think like, okay, well, so as I grow in the Christian life, I start becoming more holy, okay? I start following God more and more and more, and as I do that, I less and less sin. Right? I mean, that's whether we think it or not, that's sort of how we a lot of times think of the Christian life. It's like, well, you know, I'm a baby Christian, I expect I'm going to sin more. Or as I'm a mature Christian, I would expect that I sin less. All right? And so, like, if I'm now at 70%, okay, I 70%, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm following God 70% of the time, 30% I'm still sinning, but, you know, I'm, I'm getting more and more and more holy. All right? That's why a lot of discipleship models, whether you think they're not, sort of present themselves. So we use excuses a lot. We say, well, you know, I mean, I'm still so humor. Yeah, I'm human. I'm human. <laughs> I, that one. I mean, of course I sin multiple times a day. I mean, I hear a lot of excuses for it. All right. What I was trying to present, what I was presenting was another way of looking at the Christian life, I think is a little bit more in line with Paul, is that the Christian life and so, the, the first way would be like this, a little bit. I'm not sure if this is the way I think about it, but it would be like I become a Christian, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you guys can see this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, so, <laughs> sorry, I was trying to show it the camera. I, I saw it for the first millisecond, now I'm blind. <laughs> now I'm blind, now I see, right? Okay. So, how should I do that? So, I don't want to show stuff with eye and do up like that. You guys can make this. So, if I take it... So one way of thinking about the Christian life is that I, you know, I start out, and as I get more and more <coughs> mature in the Christ, I become brighter and brighter and brighter. We get the point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Try to keep that up there. You guys see that in the yeah, the camera there, all right? <laughs> so. That's one way of thinking about it. I'm not even going to say that that's necessarily wrong or right. I'm just saying that's one way to think about it. The other way of thinking about it is, like I said, you either are fully within the grace of love and goodness. You're fully, like when you're living right now, you're in the Spirit. You're, you're in, showing the fruits of the Spirit. You're not in the law. You're in the Spirit by faith, and you're living that way. All right? So I could be one minute living that way, and the next minute, I don't. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like David. David, you would think, was the most mature guy of all of the Bible, right, other than Jesus. But then what does he do? When you think he's most mature as a Christian, but the, okay, is in relationship with God, he sins. Yeah. All right? So that's a little bit of the fault that happens a lot of times is people start getting very easy about their Christian life is they become more mature and they start letting things go and they just fall into sin. All right. I think what Paul does is he more paints things as you're, you're in the Spirit. Oops. You're, 
can't do it again. You're in the spirit, all right, or you're not. So then, and this is just me illustrating, trying to say, so what does our Christian life look like? Our Christian life should look more and more like every second I might, you know, I'm like more like this. I'm either following Christ or I'm not. I'm following Christ or I'm not. I'm following Christ or I'm not. There's not like an in-between with it. And maybe what growth looks like is like a strobe light. By a strobe light, I turn the strobe light up and pretty soon I'm more and more being in Christ and less and less relying on the world, less and less in the flesh, less and less instead. Okay? Does that sort of make sense? Yes. What is right or wrong? I couldn't tell you there. <laughs> okay? But, it's, but I think when you look at Scripture, there's a lot of this all or nothing. There's a lot of this, you're in the Spirit or you're not. Paul doesn't create this, like, in-between world. In fact, he mostly says it's not in-between. It's like James, I think we were quoting it. Maybe it was Sunday. Yeah. Quoting about um, being double-minded. Right. And remember, we, Which and is we did that. Yeah, and when we were doing that, and um, we did an illustration up there for James, and we were saying, you can't be both worlds at the same time. Uh, Paul says you, just, you cannot do that. Yeah. You can't be trying to straddle both, and that's what we do all the time. Well, just a little bit of the law, a little bit of faith in Christ, you know. And so I think as we go through here today, I want us to keep in mind that Paul is painting this in very much like I have with two columns. The first column, the right column, is the column we're going to say as we're reading through. This is who we are in Christ and what we're to do. This is the faith in Christ would be the left column. So if you guys want to put a header up there, you could say faith in Christ, free in Christ, living by the Spirit, we're going we're gonna to add to it. But um, you'll see just up here, so the left column would be that. The right column would be in the flesh, under the law, enslaved. Okay, very good, Chris. All right? So when Paul said, when I say what's at stake, Paul's going to paint, as we look at these next 12 verses, Paul's going to paint for us. This is what is this is what's at stake. When you're not living in Christ, when you're not living in the Spirit, this is who you are, and this is who you're acting like, and this is what's going to happen. <laughs> okay. Everyone painted an overview there. That makes sense. Questions? Yeah. Well, does that feel a little neurotic? Like, why? Am, why? I am I in or am I? Am I in yeah. or am I out? Yeah. Right? Like, you go, it sounds like that would be like a, a hard way to live. Like, that sounds fearful or something like right. that. Right, right. I mean, what, like, how would you answer that? I would say, no. It's not <laughs> fearful. No, I would yeah. say it's not fearful because, again, it's trying to say, am I living in line with who I am <clears throat> in Christ? Yeah. Okay. So it's yeah. not, and what Paul would, I think Paul would say, is the. If you're living in that fear, you're living in the flesh, okay? Yeah, yeah. And you're not fully, you're not living in, this is who you are. You are free in Christ. Why are you trying to be under the law? Okay. So I think you could present it that way, like, oh my gosh, one minute I'm like this, one minute I'm like that, and you could get neurotic maybe yeah. thinking that way. I, I think it's more, I think it's more saying, am I fully in this moment right now, 
relying on the grace of God and the power of the Spirit to live as I walk this life. And just constantly to be remembered that because we can, in a second, I mean, we, we all know that, right? We, I think we all do it and don't even want to admit it. We're driving down the street, playing the praise music, <laughs> whatever, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, someone cuts us off. And we go, you, okay? And all of a sudden, we're in the flesh. Yeah. I mean, so in a lot of ways, I think, you know, I'm talking to my wife. And I'm being all loving to her. And then she says something to me, gets me angry, and I... <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of times it's to look at it and say, yeah, it's, it's like that. Okay? Because it keeps us conscious that where am I right now? Am I living by the Spirit? Okay? Am I not? It's almost like grabbing control or living... Or, or li- right? living... Like, <laughs> like, <"Arr!"> yeah. <laughs> You're like, no, that's right. Yeah. 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 All right. If you could, if you could yes. Part of the uh, maturity that we ideally in our Christian walk does it does make us more acutely aware of the subtleties in our lives. Yes, absolutely. And you see, yeah, exactly. Steve. I think you see the darkness more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's a strobe lights going off more and more, but it's also illuminating. You know, it's, as you're a young Christian, you're starting to see the growth sins in your life, but you get older, you know, ideally you're expunging those, but you become more acutely aware of the subtlety of, of sins in your life. Right. And I think that's a little bit of irony, very much the irony of the Christian life. I mean, you see that on Paul, the Apostle Paul, they say, like, when you take a look at his first letters that he wrote, and then you progress those letters and look at the last ones he wrote, you see it has a progression of where he's more and more acutely aware of his own sin. Yeah. So I think as you see the light more, it's that flash, you're seeing the light more, you much more recognize when you're in the darkness. Yeah. Yeah. There has to be kind of a proverbial litmus test. And what Paul is expressing at the beginning, mm-hmm. I, I'm astonished, amazed at you that you've departed. Right. So... Uh, we are either in relationship pursuing God we're either in or out of the gospel right the gospel is doing its thing and I you know as a human being it's God being faithful to me that's the the gospel I'm really not faithful I'm kind of like whatever I am it's through the spirit that you have that yeah the grace that you give it to I'm kind of all over the map even though I'm, I'm seeking I, I hopefully have, as Steve has just mentioned, I've, there's certain sins I've left behind, seeking not to live there anymore. Maybe I did whatever I did, and that was, uh, you know, there's things that fall, fall off of us. They need to. Well, and you look, for example, at Peter, that we're talking about in Galatians, right? Peter, the premier, <laughs> I mean, you know, he's the one that's got to be following Jesus more than any of us, Right? Even more than Paul. And what do we see Peter do? He, in a moment, okay, ends up giving in to this pressure from the world. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, his actions are actions of sin. Actions of what we're going to see in a minute. Almost what I'd say worse than sin. That actually show that he is not living in the truth of the gospel. One minute he was almost, and then he chooses, I'm going to make a decision 
And those decisions that we make every day are choosing to say, am I living that way? Am I not? And we're going to see when we go through the fruit of the Spirit. Paul contrasts the two. And most of the time, as we'll see, the way we have that witness test is how we interact with other people. Yeah. It is you the primary limit test. Of acting, then you fall primary the trap. test. How am I acting towards my wife? How am I acting towards this person that has a different opinion than I do right now? How am I, how am I talking about the other person behind the back about the opinion I have of them? Okay. I mean, I think we just are. I think what we're going to see as we get into the Galatians five more is that much of this life is around how we are in community. How are we with others? Yep. Um, and we've seen Paul already talk a lot about that. All right. Okay. So let's just walk. Let's walk through. We went through this. Um, for those of you who weren't here last week. Let me walk through, and I'll, I'll, we'll just sort of move along, and then I'll slow down as we get to where we left off last week. So, again, what we're trying to do is look at what's at stake. Left column is where we want to be, so to speak. Right column, okay, is what happens when we're not. So, if we, when we looked at last week, Galatians 5... Alright, so, verse 2. So here, and listen to Paul. He's like literally laying this out as these different columns, so to speak. Look, I, Paul, say to you, and Paul uses very strong Greek language here. It's like, listen to me. This is like as important as it gets. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be no advantage to you. And what did we say that word advantage meant? What was it? Anybody remember? Christ is of no benefit. benefit. Very good, Charlie. Christ is of no benefit if you start following just one letter of the law. Okay. So, right here, what we did was, this is on the right-hand side. Okay. So, if you, on the, uh, sorry, left-hand side. Left-hand Right-hand side. Right-hand side. Okay. On the right-hand side, it's, we, we're writing down there, if you accept circumcision, or if you keep the law, if you keep one letter of the law, okay, and you do that in trying to you know, keep your relationship with God by one letter of the law, you literally are getting now no benefit, not some, not part, no benefit from Christ. He is of no benefit to you. And then Paul repeats it again in verse 3. I testify again to every man who accepts, accepts circumcision. And here's the other consequence. He is obligated to keep the whole law. So, again, in the right-hand column, it's like if you, if you follow one letter of the law, you are now obligated. It's all or nothing. You need to follow the whole thing. <laughs> Paul's being a little rhetorical here, but you, you need to follow the whole thing. Yep. And if you remember when we were looking at this in our study, you are now under the curse of the law. If you're going to follow the law, you don't have to follow all of it, all the time, and now you're all the time under the curse. And you're cut off from Christ. That's and you're cut off part. from Christ. Which is what he says, right? He says... Just lift your own throat. Yeah. Severed. 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 Cut off. 
I mean, this is this is how serious it is. What's at stake? <laughs> Our relationship with Christ. And Paul is using really strong language with that. And by that, he means like earning, right? Yeah, he, well, he means earning. He means, well, we're going to see more of what he means. We'll along here. But if I'm doing something to try to, it's either earn or be right with God through that. Works. Yeah. Some works. I mean, you could even turn prayer into that. Well, oh, God, you know, I get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and I have to do this. And it becomes a legal thing rather than I'm doing that through the grace of God. And we can very easily take our Christian lives and the things that we're supposed to do and live like we're, you know, and that's why I think what happens a lot of Christians when they fall later on in life, they're living legalistically their Christian life. I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm reading the Bible in the morning, I'm doing this, I'm serving, I'm giving. <laughs> you know, I mean, all these things, and all those things are just the law. Yep. And then they wonder, I have no relationship with Christ. I'm literally getting no benefit from that. I'm just trying to I don't to hear live. from God. Right. He doesn't say anything. Exactly. <laughs> and I, sadly, I see that too many times. Yes, yes, sir. The word except here in this is uh, a Greek word for peritemno. I thought that was well Greek to me, but yeah, go ahead. Was it me? This <laughs> guy. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, what it means is uh, it's sort of a reiterating circumcision to cut around. And also yeah. it means uh, so this would have had a lot more impact on them than it says on us to see the word except is that it means to put away impurity. Yeah. So it would be doing something ourselves to put away our own impurity. Right. 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 Very good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's good. Actually, that's really good, Jason. Really good looking at the Greek words like that because you see more of the nuances. Exactly. Yeah. And like, oh, okay. So he's really making that statement. You can't cut away your impurity. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, really good. I like that. Uh, so we, we accept the whole law then. Then we said verse 4. Okay. You are severed, cut away. I mean, this is, again, the strongest language. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. So again, right hand, right hand. Yeah, right hand column. Again, what is it? You're severed from Christ. If you live on that, on that right side there, you have fallen from grace when you're trying to be justified by the law. And then verse 5. Now Paul really talks more about the, the left-hand column. Where do we want to be? For through the Spirit, by faith... Okay, so there you see the contrast. Okay, it's not by the law... Okay, it's not by works, it's not by the flesh, but it's now through the Spirit, so that's on the left-hand side, so you can write down the left-hand side, through, we live our lives through the Spirit, by faith, and we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. 
that's that sort of is a way to sum up the whole Christian life right there. Alright. We're living we're living by the Spirit. We're living by faith through the Spirit and we have a hope for tomorrow. We have a hope for what Christ is going to do. Um, I have something I was going to read to you about that. Yeah, so um, N.T. Wright um, says this really good about this this idea of how we have this hope for what's going to happen for tomorrow. We're, we're like the people who you know, a lot of times we complain about, well, a lot of times we get stuck in the past. You know, we get stuck with what's happened to us in the past. And what's happened to us in the past is controlling who we are today. As Christians, it's almost the opposite. As Christians, our present day is not controlled by the past. It's controlled by the hope that's already guaranteed of the future. And we live in today with that hope. As, as if that hope is real. We make that hope real in how we live today. Okay, we actually, like, I love N.T. Wright. He's a, I've used this over and again. He talks about how the future hope spills into the present of our lives. So you can think of it, we mostly think of what we've got these past stuff, junk, that controls and pushes on how I live my life today. And he says, no, in Christ you are taking the future hope of who, our redemption, of our full relationship with God, absence of sin, all those things we hope for, and we live in that today by the Spirit. It's beautiful. Uh, it's a whole different mindset. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is the way N.T. Wright puts it. He says, God will one day put the whole world right, which is really what righteousness means. Okay, he would, in fact, that's what justification means, or righteousness. Okay, he's going to make the world right. One day. Even this earth. I mean, Romans 8 talks about how creation is groaning for the day of redemption. Alright? So God will one day put the whole world right. In the present, he puts people right. <laughs> okay? That's what we're really talking about. He makes us righteous, puts us right in right relationship with God so that assuring them they already are already in the right in the present he puts people right so that assuring them they are already in the right so being assured that we are in the right today in a right relationship with God they can now be part of his putting right project in the world <laughs> so in other words God one day is going to make everything right in the present he puts us into a right relationship with God so we can be the people that part, are part of making the world right, righteous that's ultimately what's going to be like tomorrow. Is that it's sort of a beautiful yeah, way of just thinking about, about what's going to happen, about how we are to live today. Um, it also, going back to what you said, takes away the fear. And the control... And, and thank you. That's really good, Jason. And the control. We don't have to control anymore. We don't have to control other people. We don't have to be in fear of what's happening right now because our hope is what God's going to do. And where to be living is that people not in fear, but that people in hope. So far, so good? Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat>
All right. And then, so that's all on the uh, left side. Left is right here. <laughs> I'm so confused. I should have turned this around. All right. Right on the left side. The right the left, left is right, yeah. For in Christ Jesus, so verse 6. Okay, so now, now Paul, I want you to listen to this next part because this is where he sort of, in a way, brings this all home. Really takes everything he's even said in Galatians 1 through 4. And now really puts it down to like one sentence. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Now Paul does something very radical here. Because he's been talking to all of us about circumcision. Okay. He's been talking about how circumcision should not count for anything. In fact, going to lie, I love what Jason said there. The word, notice how Paul says, from Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts. That word count there actually means to give value to something. For something to have power over you. Control, Jason. Power over you. Prevail over you. The thing that controls your life. We, I don't think, we've been talking all this whole time about circumcision. And what's a little hard is that for us, that's not an issue today. <laughs> you know, we don't have anybody in the world, I don't think, I don't think any of you have had anybody pressuring you on the outside or inside the church saying you need to be circumcised. So, right. I don't, yeah, I don't think so. So, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Tell Jeff. <laughs> that's the case, but I don't think it's the case. That's part of membership. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> free, free circumcision. Yeah. That's why there's not very many members. <laughs> yeah. um, but what Paul does here is all of a sudden, is, I don't know if you guys remember, but when I started the book, when I started this book, Galatians, I read this quote from Karl Barth about how he says that what we are to do is begin into this Word of God is we're to be studying it. Part of it learning the you know, Greek word, studying this exactly what we're doing. So we can create a bridge between the first century and today. To where all of a sudden, Paul and what he's talking about in his cultural time and us in our cultural time go like that. Yeah. And what Paul's doing in the sentence, he is for us doing that. Because he is saying what counts and what is of value is neither <laughs> circumcision or uncircumcision. Meaning anything, absolutely anything that we give value or let us have power over us, okay, that as Paul said earlier, is not one thing, are you in Christ living by, are you in Christ? Are you a believer? Do you believe in him? The spirit lives in you. The only thing Paul says that counts is are you in Christ? Are you, is your, have you put your faith in God? That is the, that's the only thing that counts. Everything else it falls into the neither circumcision 
or uncircumcision camp. Remember when I did the um, hula hoop? What Paul's doing here is he is creating for us a new community. We are, we always talk about, oh, this church is, you know, as a church, we're now part of this new family. We literally are part of a new ethnic group, if you remember when we talked about it, that no longer places value on anything but our relationship that we're in Christ. And I mean, if that's not something <laughs> that has always been a struggle of the church and Christians, is today as much as it always has been. You know, that's why I'll be blunt. I mean, that's why to me, I grieve about what happens that goes on in our country right now, particularly among Christians, about the whole politics and about masks and about the vaccine and about COVID and about all these things. Because ultimately what we can do is we lash onto that and we place where you stand in that and others stand as a value that all of a sudden prevails over how we act and treat others. And Paul says, that you just moved to the right hand column. You just severed yourself from Christ. You just fell from grace. You have prices of no benefit from you. Because as a Christian's brothers and sisters, we are a family, and that what's distinct about us is I place as much value in you as I do in him, as I do in Jeff. And I treat everyone with that same value because you're all in Christ. And I don't focus and create hierarchies and value systems and go to Jeff. You know, I mean, Kelly could be day, Jeff. You know, I mean, look at you know, I mean, look at that hair. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, facetious. Or you know, wow, Kelly believes you know that he sh- you should wear masks or you shouldn't wear masks. I mean, whatever it is, that is not who we are in Christ. Okay, now you can have those opinions, but those opinions, Paul says, never should create a value statement that shows that somehow I'm worth more than someone else, or I'm right, or I'm certain, or I'm this, or I'm that. It's so childish. It is. But that's what we, that's what we, oh, yeah. the church is always, that's what I love about Galatians, it is always struggle with this. We're not new. <laughs> I mean, Luther and his church had its problems in that day. Yeah. And, and Paul is saying here that once you do that, you immediately, in that point, you just also moved from the left column to the right. You just lost the value and benefit of what Christ has done across. You've nullified the grace of God. There's no stronger language than that. Um, so you see what he does here, and he just like, just basically blows it all apart and says, no. You can't do this anymore because I have formed this new people of God and I am their head. I am the one who has formed this people and this people is different. And, and, that, and that's how we should look to them. So the first thing is you don't, the first thing it says is you don't, no longer you value the systems and all that stuff of the world. Okay. No longer is that your way of judging people. He says, now you have one thing you do. You have faith that does what? Love. It what? Loves. Loves. Yeah. Works, I mean, he says right there, but only 
Notice how again, Paul isn't saying some love. <laughs> you know? Only a little bit. faith that only works through love. So that's on your left column now. Okay, you can write that down. Faith, write that down on your left column. Faith. We now have faith that works through love. I was thinking I had one of these little uh, like daily evaluation questions pop up and it said what motivated like your decision making today? I think it was like power, fear, or love. And I was thinking it was just like an interesting way of thinking through your whole day going, what was my motivation? And realizing for myself so much of what motivates me is fear. Fear of what could happen or preventing something from happening. You know, like that mindset instead of you realize love has got so much different of a texture to it. It's looking at everybody around me and going, how do I make sure I'm doing what's best for all of that? Yeah, so different. And you know, this is where, this is right here is another example where, remember we went through James, and you guys went through James too, and I was here. Um, people, you know, there's been all this argument about this James and, and Paul, are they, you know, like, look at faith and works to come. Right here. Even, even, James and, Pete, James and Paul absolutely agree exactly the same thing. That faith and, and faith and works, working love, faith and works from that perspective, they are connected. Okay? Now, works, this is a, well, and let me read this to you, because Paul is using the verb work versus, I think it's the noun using works of the law. When you're saying, are you doing works of the law that we looked at in Galatians? That is not, that's not a verb. That's a noun. Are you doing works of the law? Paul says, faith is always shows itself by working a verb, working out through love. Okay? It's always this outward, outward view. So I'm going to quote two people for you. Just, uh, that's how we're really good. So right, N.T. Wright again. To sort of talk about what, what is this faith-love thing. N.T. Wright says, Love is the glue that binds together the single family of Abraham. So what makes us this one family in Christ? Love. Love, love is the glue that binds together the single family of Abraham. The single Messiah faith family. That's us, everyone. <laughs> Paul's concern here is the love that must replace factional fighting and the corrosions of social and cultural envy and jealousy. Just well put. Yeah. Um, repeat that last part. So Paul's concern here is love that must replace factional fighting. Sort of just what we're talking about. Circumcision, uncircumcision. This versus that. And the corrosions of social and cultural envy and jealousy. The things that we place worth and value in society. And then Gordon Fee, who is a professor of a um, great theologian, great man of faith. Like one of my all-time favorite <laughs> people as far as I've learned so much from him. He um, was, was a professor in I think he's first from Emeritus, and I've never said Emeritus. 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 I never say that. Um, in, up at Regent College in Vancouver, 
has run has done like the number one work of the work of the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is thick. Um, and he's done a Galatians commentary. I'm actually listen, I listened to his teachings on Galatians. Um, just brilliant man who's just you listen to him teach, and you just hear his passion and love that he has for Christ in everything he says and, and, and just how he teaches it's just, it's just it's like every when he teaches it's like listening to a long sermon <laughs> um, really good but he says any faith that does not work itself out in love is not faith at all so I go back to what you said Steve. what's the litmus test am I loving others as Christ loved me that means I'm in faith that's my litmus test. Okay, right there. That's that's how I know. Okay, so any faith that does not work itself out in love is not faith at all. <laughs> my point is, you can't have faith that doesn't work in love. So see, it, people say, "Oh, well, everybody has faith in something." True, but Christian faith is different than that faith that has faith in something. Christian faith is a gift given to us by God, okay, through the Spirit, to be in a relationship with Christ and to be able to work itself out in love. That's different than the other faith of the world, so to speak. So he says, my point is, you can't have faith that doesn't work in love. It's the only faith that there is. Meaning, faith is not just saying yes to Jesus. It's putting one's trust in Jesus and then by the Spirit living out the character and life of the Lord so that we are shaped in His image and bear that image in the way we love the world around us. To think that one can be a follower of Christ without being a follower of Christ is theologically nonsense. <laughs> Just well said. So what counts is faith that works. It's the only faith there is. It works love Faith works love. Love is the object of faith. <laughs> Have you ever thought about what's the object of our faith? It's not just for me to feel good and close to God. It's to love others. That's, it's always working itself out through love. Um, that's where he says again, it's a verb, it's not an act. I was thinking of the yeah. like indicative imperative thing at the start. Yeah. You like they're both in there, right? You go faith... Faith in your freedom, faith in grace, faith is like that reality, like you're free. Yeah. Like you believe it. And you believe it, then you're like free to love. Right. Instead of trying to protect Instead of being enslaved to me. Yeah. I, I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Hey, Craig. Yes. Yeah. By uh, Gordon Fee. F E E? Yeah, F E E. Gordon Fee. Writing that down. Thank you. I just send you guys those quotes. I'll do that. I'll try to email yeah, cool. these quotes to you guys. That'd be great. Yeah. It's a lot to it's a lot to chew on there. Um, so let me just stop there. I mean, I'm talking a lot tonight, just trying to get through this part. Does anything any questions, any thoughts, any Um, 
technical in terms of falls right in again, uh-huh. but uh, it goes back to the, the, the he, you, we, in Christ modality here. Yeah, yeah, that's good, Jason. You see that. Yeah. Paul does. We talk about Jason talking about how we have seen how Paul uses we and you and he, he's he's being very definitive in defining them in the law, we in Christ, and he, the one who would deceive you. It's really, it's really interesting. And the you... Yeah, so who's the you? And the you (laughs) is you and me separated from Christ. We're only we in Christ. Because we are in faith. It's, it's interesting though. And you look through the, the patterning of this, and he's just very. Um, well, she's trying to figure out who he's talking to, and you, just so you know, is always plural there. Right. So you is not like. So you, you is the Galatians. We, yeah, you is very good. And excellent. You as the Galatians, and a lot of times the you as the Galatians that are starting to turn away, mm-hmm. and he's saying, stop. That's what the whole letter is about. Stop. Yeah. That's what he's doing. He's exploring them. This is what's at stake, guys. You cannot be doing this. You're going to lose everything that you've been given. And really, this is still just like they are excluding. Is that kind of... They, they used to get it, and now they've been like convinced that... Well, I don't know if they're convinced yet. Yeah. They're being convinced. Well, that's yeah. what we're going to see in just a minute. Persuaded. Yeah. Paul's using this word persuading. These Judaizers are coming in, and they're trying to persuade them. And again, these are Christian Jews coming in and saying, you know what? Yes, you're in Christ. Yes, it works us up out of love. But yes, you've got to be circumcised. Control. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're, you, and why are they so motivated to do that? Where does that motivation get driven? Maybe a lot of it gets driven because guess what? They've got their entire generation by generation by generation for thousands of years who have followed the law. And this is that same God they then now say, well, how can you throw away the law? No, you still have to do this. And of course all the, the pagan gods had the same sort of thing. Oh, they yeah. all had their, 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 their laws. Oh, and they had their laws, and I mean, in Greek paganism and this stuff, you know, everyone's following multiple gods all at one time, who all have all these demands on them. And talk about schizo. I mean, they're like, I'm a neurotic. Yeah, really. You know, and well, wow, you know, this thing just broke, so that must mean that the god of this somehow is angry at me, so I need to. I mean, they were, this is how they all, that whole age spot. They had multiple gods that they were all trying to appease all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were very fickle, those gods. <laughs> they were very fickle. <laughs> like the weather. Martin Luther was saying that he, that he was saying it, supposedly there's some historical reference to the fact that the Galatians were um, the, the early Germans. A lot of the, the the German people were were descendants of the Galatians. And he's 
Which which, which which would make a lot of sense based on the character of the <laughs> That's Luther. <laughs> they take on something very wholeheartedly and then very quickly get get fickle with it. Jeff, can you do a third for me? Can you just see if something's on the printer? Oh, yeah. I just printed something. Yeah. Probably so I'm going to make copies? No, no, I should be copies. I should have okay. made ten copies of it um, that I want to hand out. Um, Is it what you sent to us by email? Yeah. yeah. As we don't want to do now is look at the last section that we'll, we'll finish off, um, which gets a little bit to what we're talking about here. And notice, going to the law, what, what Jason says, looking at verse 7, notice how, again, how does it start out? You. Mm-hmm. All right? The ones that are separated, right? And, yeah, you see, when he says you, I love what you're saying, Jason, because when he says you, it's a signal to say, who am I talking about? I'm not talking about we, me, Paul. I'm now talking about you. <laughs> Right. But Galatians, that I created you into this church, and I you know, brought you into the faith, and I taught you all this stuff, and now you are being swayed by them, <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. to do something different. Right. And you're going to see he's going to do exactly, yeah, why don't you hand that out, hand that out. You're going to see that's exactly what he's doing here. Thank you. All right, so you guys, we're gonna. I'm gonna read um, for you on Zoom. Right. You guys all sort of there? Yep, you're all still there. Make sure no, 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 no. I, I yeah, have a question about verse eight. Yes. Oh, it says, "Just persuasion is not from him who calls you." Yeah. Why is the him not cap? The H not capitalized? Well. Good question. So, um, yeah. Okay. So just well. So I think it's a good reminder. It's good you asked that question. I think it's a good reminder to know that in Greek there is no punctuation. So if you were to read everything we're looking at in Greek. There's no periods, there's no commas, there's no explanation point. It's just all together. All right? Okay. So what translators are doing is they're trying to put that into English and create sentences and create that. And translators all make choices as to what they capitalize and what they don't. So the capitalization is not anything that's in the Greek, because in Greek you don't have capitals. Okay? What you what it is is just all the letters. <laughs> just if you ever look at Greek, it's it's really. It's How about Hebrew? Does they have Hebrew? Does not even. Oh. Okay. Hebrew is even worse. Um, so it's just all strings together. I mean, it's just like, it looks like a mess when you look at it. But how do people even yeah. make sense of this? But you what you're doing. Yeah. In this case, could it also be that the translator may not have been 100 percent sure what the reference was to? No, I think they probably. I think they just they they're just not. They don't choose. A lot of times with Jesus, a lot, I think in the ESV, possibly, I'm, I'm not 100% sure of this, but probably in the ESV, when they use the he to refer to Jesus, they're not going to capitalize it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but if they're talking about God, then they would capitalize it. But that's just totally a translation choice. <laughs> okay. Um, in fact, a lot of times, even the word him in Greek is not there. It's a masculine of another gown or a verb. But then they 
we put in yeah. and give it the basket with it. Okay. Um, all right. So this last section, there's one, there's one, um, one area that I want to sort of point out because Paul does something. He's a master of language. Um, and it's, it's a little hidden to us in English, but he's going to make a point in this last section. So in verses 7 through 12, he's trying to really, I mean, <laughs> it's sort of like, this is it, guys. <laughs> he's just saying, he's really calling them on the carpet, as we would say, okay? He's really nailing them down. He said, he said you know, here's, here's the... Um, Here's what's at stake. But now he's just like saying, okay, you, you know, I'm calling you all to, to something different. And he's going to use the strongest language to do that. So what he's going to do is he's going to make a play on words. And Paul does this a lot. He uses metaphors. And he's going to make a play on words to get across what the Judaizers are doing to them what will happen to them if the Judaizers do it, and what they should do, and what should happen to the Judaizers, <laughs> and what they what should be done instead. Okay, and he does this all around a play in words around circumcision. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Circumcision in Greek. So, so circumcision in Greek. See if I get. Let me see if I get this right. So, circumcision. The word circumcision in Greek is the word peritome. Tome means to cut. In essence, okay. Peri means what, Jason? You told me earlier. What what is circumcision? What's the definition? Thank you. Well, you actually said it. Cut around. Yeah. yeah, cut around. Okay. So circumcision is is the Greek word peritome. Cut around. Okay? I think we can all visualize that right now. I've got no Okay? So that's so what he's going to do now is he's going to use this idea of cutting to really bring home what's at stake. Alright, so listen to him. So I'm going to start out at verse 1 again. Because I want you to just hear, hear the words and think. When you think, when you hear anything underlined here, it always has something like cut to it. Alright? So notice that Paul, verse 1, he says, you know, it's for freedom that Christ has liberated us. So, and I'm using a different translation here that gets, that gets across this, the way the Greek is actually looks. Okay? So in verse 1, it says, for freedom that Christ liberated us, so stand firm and don't be subjected again to the yoke of slavery. Watch out! I myself, Paul, am warning you that if you are circumcised, if you are cut around, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Obviously, being literally circumcision there, right? Indeed, I testify again to every man who allows himself to be cut around that he is obligated to observe the entire law. You who seek to be righted by the law have been cut off. Remember we saw the word severed in the ESV, but the actual word in Greek is cut off. Okay? You have been cut off from Christ. So you cut around. No, but hey, if you are doing that, you're going to actually be cut off 
from Christ himself, you who have fallen away from God's abundant generosity. For it is through the Spirit on the basis of faith that we anticipate the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither cutting around or not cutting around <laughs> counts for anything. Instead, what counts is faith expressing itself through love. Now, watch what he does. You've been running well. Okay? Good, good teacher. Okay? You know, compliment them for what they've been doing well. They've been running the race in Christ well. And then he says, who cut you off so you would not be persuaded to obey the truth? The word here in Greek is like cut, cut off or cut in is two ways you can translate this Greek word. What it means is like if you're running the race and someone cuts you off. Okay, so you think of someone running a race, they're almost at the finish line, okay? Or you watch a bike race or some type of race and someone cuts someone off. That's what this Greek word means. So what's Paul saying? to these Judaizers who are trying to get them to also follow the law he says who is it that's cutting you off so you would not be persuaded to obey the truth okay so he's just nailing them right now but they're listening to these Judaizers who are trying to what literally cut them off and sever them from Christ from their relationship with Christ and he says, this contrary persuasion is not from the one who calls you. So going back to what you asked, Bruce, there, a different way of translating it. Obviously, he's talking about Christ here. Okay? Mm -hmm. It takes only one of the main metaphors, of, I mean, one of the metaphors in a lot of scripture, it takes only a little yeast. Jeff and Patty know this now because they've been cooking bread. It takes only a little yeast of, to leaven the entire batch dough. I think we also get that. Okay, that's how easy. Yeah. That's how easy it is. You say, well, you know, it's okay for me to say that. You know, people have to believe. It's okay for me to say they. They for being a Christian, they've also got to believe in this particular part. Or I'm making something up. Or they have to, you know, do this this way. I mean. He's saying, you just start there. We sometimes maybe call them slippery slope. Okay? You start here, just a little bit of sin, a little bit of division, a little bit of this. Mm. Now that's okay. It won't hurt. It won't hurt. <laughs> okay? The entire family is cut off from Christ when you do that. Alright? Verse 10. I'm persuaded. Notice how Paul uses the word persuasion and persuading here. He's saying... These guys are trying to persuade you, and what, they, and what they're going to do in persuading you is they're going to cut you off from, from Christ. And he says that I, instead, am persuade, I'm persuaded about you all in the Lord, he's calling it back to the relationship with Jesus, that you won't think differently from what I'm saying. But whoever it is who is unsettling you will bear his judgment. Dice. Okay, who's doing this to you? They're going to be under the judgment of Christ. Brothers and sisters, if I myself am still proclaiming circumcision, Paul being somewhat uh, satirical here, I guess you say, if I myself am still proclaiming circumcision, then why am I being persecuted? Obviously, he's not doing that. Okay, if that's the case. 
then the offense of this, the obstacle character of the cross has been nullified. So Paul's saying, look, if I'm still trying to do this, I'm actually nullifying the, the cross of Christ. So then he, then he ends <laughs> with, again, some of the most stark language. I mean, someone said, you know, love is not sort of nice and sweet with Paul. I mean, he just, talking about love and truth, <laughs> Paul does not tell you the two together. He says, I wish that those who are disturbing you would even, BSV says, emasculate, but Paul is using the words cut again. Disturbing you, they would even cut off their private parts. That's the punchline. That's the punchline. <laughs> Love it. Okay. And I will tell you here, he is not talking about circumcision. No. The word he uses, I'll be very explicit, he is talking about cutting off their penis. Okay, they're not talking about testicles, they're not talking about castrating, he is literally saying cutting off. This very thing that's supposed to, that you guys are saying cut around, he's saying why don't they need to do this? Cut it off. And you want circumcision? You got it, man. Circumcision right here. You sure he's not talking about balls? <laughs> he is not. And I know he's not, because what he's referring back to here is something I believe it's in Deuteronomy at look, where there's mm-hmm. actually the, the words, yeah, Deuteronomy 23, okay, where the word is actually being used for a priest that they no longer can serve in the temple in relationship with the living God because they've not been castrated. They literally have had their kings. So. You see the play in words that Paul is basically saying here. These guys are trying to cut you off by telling you you must cut around, okay? And, and what Paul's saying is, no. Instead, what needs to happen is they need to have it taken all the way up, which means you cut them out. Yep. Okay. You don't put up with them being the church anymore, doing what they're doing. You, they are out. Okay, they're the ones who are out. They're the ones who are no longer under the um, grace of God. Okay, they're the ones who've been severed with Christ. Okay, and we cut them off. Yeah, it's like cutting off cancer. But yeah, in fact, Jeff and I were talking. Yeah, you would use the illustration today too. You think of oh, when we were talking yesterday or something, you know, about how a lot of times you know skin cancer, you sort of like you, you take on these little layers, you know, yeah, and you keep trying to get to where you know. Here it's like just, just you know, you got a little skin cancer. Yeah, yeah. Take off the whole arm. Right. Sever. Sever it. Well, it's like that. I mean, I think the, the yeast. It's got a sort of cancerous feeling, right? Like you're going a little bit of this, and it's like saying, "Oh, it's only a little bit of cancer." Spread, yeah, it's right. Like, and you're like, "Oh, no, no, that will." I mean, it just shows how it's like toxic, right? Mm-hmm. I, it makes me, you know, think of the tax time or whatever. I think 
C.S. Lewis would always say, we're always like, we're willing to pay God what he's due, and then we're hoping that there's some left over for us in the end. Like working on a deal <laughs> with sin or something like right. that. Like, even like, I'm willing to give God most, just hoping I can hold on to a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't work. God's saying, no, I want all of it. See, and that's the all or nothing again. That's yeah, I want your whole heart. The whole thing, right. Right. Uh, how about like 80%? Yep. Like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like that, working a deal out, and you see how testing that is. Right. You know, he's going to stay right. Up, right? And it's so subtle. Yeah. So subtle. Um, all right, I want you all to, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to, we're going to close with this, Philippians. Sort of... Um, summarize all of what Paul's saying here because in Philippians, Paul does another a twist on actually what he's saying here in Galatians. Um, and I want to end with that. So Philippians chapter 3 Alright. So Paul takes up the same idea of this cutting and he uses them in Philippians 3 but he says something surprising um, which because what he's saying here to the Galatians is you know you've got this thing that's causing you to be cut off you instead you need to take that cancer so to speak these people and you need to, <laughs> you need to cut them off okay but there's something else that happens about who we are in Christ that I think is really key that Paul talks about here. We're using the same cutting language. Look at verse uh, 3-2. Paul says, Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Now, each one of those words there has a cut to it. Like cut got a cut, actually, as you heard. It's almost speaking in Greek, which I'm not going to. Um, look out for the dog starts with a cut. Alright? Look out for the evildoers is another cut. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh is katatome. Remember I said peritome is circumcision? It is katatome. Look out for those who don't just cut around, but those who katatombe, the ones who mutilate the flesh, literally means to cut up in pieces. So Paul's warning again, look out for these who can come in and do that. But then Paul says something very surprising. He says, we are the peritombe. And all of us thinking like, wow, we've just gone through this whole thing with Paul saying about circumcision. And all of a sudden he's saying, we are the true peritome. We are the true circumcision. Because what does it mean again, the, the peritome cut around? What's happening is I'm separating. Okay? So what? who are we in Christ? We actually are we've cut these out these people out what Christ has done is cut us to make us into a people for himself we've been cut off around from the world cut off from all the values and all the things that are important to others in the world cut off from sin 
we are the ones who've been cut off to become the true people of God. And what does that look like? All Paul's been saying in Galatians. Who what? Worship not by the law, but who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in flesh. So we are, this again, when I talk about in Christ, when someone becomes a Christian, they are cut off from the world and are now put into become this people of God, this family of God, this to look different than the rest of the world. Does that make sense? Yes. So you see how all of a sudden we become, ironically, not the ones who are circumcised because of the law, but we are the ones who are now cut off, set apart, set apart to become what Christ has already made us, which is the true family, people of God, who live differently than the world, which is what all of chapter 5 and 6 is going to be doing, is saying, this is how you live in Christ. Because this is what faith, working itself out in love, looks like. That's what we're going to spend the rest of our time in Galatians with now. Yes, Chris. I like this translation. I just pulled up a bunch of translations on that. It says, for we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. Yeah. There oh. you go. Know. That was NLT. Yeah. And now you know the circumcised means this cut language. It's like we're the ones cut off to do that, to no longer live by the flesh, no longer live in the world, but to live in the Spirit of God, by faith, working it out in love. That's that's great. I I never understood that passage before. I mean, you really identified. So, and we are going to cut. (laughs) Cut up. Okay. You guys just did this. Okay. Who are we? We're the what? People of faith. Left side. We are going to cut out what we are no longer. Right? You guys can do that. You just go like this. Cut it out. Beautiful though. All right. All right. Now. <laughs> We're going to be adding a whole lot more to this <laughs> as we go through five and six. All right. Just do that, and then you know you can take this and you can do whatever you want. You can go like this and say, you know what? Come on. Cut it. Cut it to pieces. Because what's cut in pieces? Is now <laughs> who I am not the water in the world in the flesh. So none of you can be living in that anymore. Starting now, <laughs> or else, or else, or else, I'll cut you out. <laughs> Did all of you on Zoom see that? Yep. <laughs> okay. This is a rather graphic first meeting for Kelly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 Next session, Mike. Let's get together, Mike.
I enjoyed it. Questions, comments, thoughts. It's reminders to always extract, you know, just the eye or going to the next life without your arm. Yeah. 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 Get it out. You know what Jesus says, right? If you you know sin, you know, cut off cut off the arm of your sin, arm, right? your yeah. eye. Right. You use same same type of language here. Um, so where we're going starting next week, it's it's pretty interesting because if you take a look at verse thirteen, it really says really now that you you cut that out. Who are we? For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Is a what? Indicative or imperative? You were called to freedom. Indicative. So you expect the imperative. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. What we just tore up. Okay? But through love, serve one another. Imperative. And then Paul's going to sort of paint a picture for us. That's how, what does that look like? What does that really look like? You know, that's what we get to go through in the next few weeks. So. That's cool. Thanks. Question? Thank you so much. I did a lot of talking after this one because I was trying to get us through this whole <laughs> section. It was very good, Greg. Jack, you want to close this? Sure. Holy Father, we just thank you for the freedom that we have through the gift of your son and the grace. And that is so unnatural for us to just live in that place of resting in that, God. But I pray that you would help us to stay right there, that we would live in that place of hope and trust and faith, and that that place we would receive your peace, and, um, that our eyes would be opened to see those around us in need, and that we would respond with love. I just thank you for those words, this faith working itself out in love. God, I pray that would be, that would describe us. Yeah. And, um, God, just pray that you would empower us and um, let's shine like light and hope in our world. Praise Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.